In Jude, uh, looking in, in uh, verse 1, 2, 3, just looking here in the NIV, we'll look at the English Standard Version on the notes. Uh, verse 3, he says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write to you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once, once for all entrusted to the saints. And this is kind of lays the foundation, and, and we're going to go 17 verses into the, you know, into the letter in verse 20 today. But this is verse 3, and he's saying, uh, Contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to to you and the idea right there is the contend you're going to have to contend uh, is there a d there that, is that correct where's my spell check people right. ladies you're the spell check pay, pay attention <laughs> because at any moment whenever i pick this up something's going to get written wrong uh, uh contend it, it means you're going to have to to fight you're going to have to protect you're going to have to engage in some form of contradiction uh, which sometimes that doesn't seem very Christ-like, but there is false teaching. You're going to have to fight for it. And the faith right here, which is going to come up in verse 20, is called the faith, is this is uh, the truth. This would be uh, not, not something you have faith. This is the, the embodiment of the doctrine. These would be the words that Jesus spoke. These are going to be the words of the Old Testament Scripture. This is the, the doctrine uh, you've got the, the heresies, and then you're going to have the truth, the doctrines. And you're going to have to contend for this body of information. And interestingly, it was once for all entrusted. You ha- it's not going to be updated. It's not going, you know, like you're not going to have uh, the, the truth, and then in 2023, uh, you've got an election year coming. We're going to update the, the, the latest update to the truth. No, it was once for all, there's only one version of it. It, it, You're going to have different types of application of it, but once they've been entrusted with it, and you can see that as you go through church history, of them wanting, people wanting to update, or we're going to push that aside, that doesn't make sense any longer. Uh, it It has been once for all entrusted, so you have this faith. Now, in verse 20, it's going to say, you're going to see, it's going to say, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. And that most holy faith is going to be the same thing from verse 3. Now we're down into verse 20 today. Now what are we supposed to do? The whole book has been about the heresy. What you are contending against. Verse 4 all the way up until verse 19. These are the things you're contending against. You've got the, and I've got on the the notes here on the back. And again, it would be ridiculous to read it to you, page 7. But as I go through that, and I just wrote down, what the false teachers, what they're teaching. It doesn't say specifically uh, they're, they're denying the deity of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 a, it's a false doctrine. They think Jesus was a mere man. Or they're, they're renouncing, uh, they're saying Scripture is just made up by man. They're not, they're not attacking Scripture. But yet they are. They are attacking Jesus. They are attacking Scripture. And here's this whole list, bottom of page 7. They've crept in unnoticed, so there's, there's fault. they've crept in. It, they look normal, they sound normal, they're one of the group, but they're ungodly. I mean, they're not pursuing God, they're pursuing things that are other than God's desire. They pe- pervert the grace into sensuality. So the idea that God is offering you grace and forgiveness, this means God is lenient, tolerant, he's not judgmental. Uh, and you know, that, that sounds very familiar, does it not? You know, it's like God, God is offering you grace. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. You can now access God, fellowship with the, the Trinity through Jesus Christ. Oh, so God's not judging sin anymore. Well, no, no, no. You're all going to get wiped out. You remember the flood of Noah. I mean, there, there's judgment coming. That's why the judgment is at the end of history. But Jesus Christ has made a way and so the false teachers will pervert the, the grace into sensual. Well, that means we can just keep doing whatever we want to do. And it makes sense to them because, as you go through here, they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not born again. They can't understand these things. And then it just goes all the way through this whole list of what they're doing. And again, I could spend the entire day reading that list to you. But that is a, a kind of an idea of what they are doing. And so the whole book has been about contending for the faith, identifying what the opposition is, and now that this faith is once for all entrusted to you, now beginning in verse 20 and 21, 
we're going to have four imperatives or four commands on what you should do uh, to, to counter this. Or instead of following them, these are the things you're going to do to grow in your faith. They're going to involve the faith. Uh, they're going to involve uh, prayer. They're going to involve, uh, um, uh, the last one is the count on the mercy. Uh, build yourself up. Oh, my goodness. Hope. Uh, the, uh, that's that's the, your, the hope of the mercy. I'm going to just read it to you. I mean, I, I was thinking about this all, all week, and then I think, I'll never forget this. Okay, I just forgot it. <coughs> Verse 20 in the NIV. Uh, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, and keep yourself, there it is, that's, that's very good, keep yourselves in God's love, uh, and then have the hope of the mercy that's going to be revealed to you. These are the four things that your, your life now, the whole book, this is a whole, whole book is about this. Jude could have skipped verses, you know, 3 through 17 and come down to this point right here and just says what you need to do is this, 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 and this. But he gives you the background of why you're doing this is all these things are being chipped away by the heretics. The next thing that's going to take place in verse 22 and 23 is going to be your outreach <coughs> or those that have been affected. He's, he's talking to the believers, protect yourself by doing this, but there's going to be others that have been overtaken by the world, by the heretics, and we'll look at that next week, next week verses 20 through, through 23, on what you can do. And there's going to be three different aspects of that, what you can do to help others escape from uh, the judgment that is coming, or the heresies of the, of the false teachers. But here we have these four imperatives, and I'll uh, look in the notes. Let's go to oh the f first page. This is uh, just reviewing what we've talked about. I limit, uh, limited the box of the five sections. Remember, we start start talking about in Jude. Jude has been quoting or referencing texts or sources and using that to explain. So the last written text he's got is the teachings of the apostles about in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. So that was happening in, say, 60, 65 A.D., happening throughout church history. It's going to be happening in our day, or whenever the end times gets here, it will continue to happen. Jude's comments then are, he describes the false teachers, talks about how you're going to build yourselves up and how to minister to others. And verse 17 says, but you must remember, that's how it, that, this section begins, Again, the ideal of Bible teaching, you must remember, you're going to have to recall. You're always going to go back to knowing something that was said, something that was written. But remember, uh, beloved, the prediction of the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm turning the page two. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Verse 19, it is these who cause divisions. What they are doing to believers is they're causing division. They're, they're separating people. Some will go this way, some will follow the false teaching, and now you've got a conflict. Uh, they're worldly people. They're, they're thinking of the worldly ways. It, it, they're, they're, this is what's dangerous about a false teacher or about a heretic is it makes sense. They're not telling you to do something stupid. They're not teaching something ridiculous. They're talking in the, in the language uh, the procedures, the, the, the protocol of the world, the way the world behaves. This works in the world. This is how the world functions. So again, that would cause, like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to build a church in the middle of a community, we're going to start a church in the middle of a community, well, what, what should it look like? Let's go ask the people. What do you want your church to look like? And you take a poll, you match the poll numbers, you build the thing, and bam, look, everybody loves it. Okay, uh, these are those who cause division. They're worldly people. I mean, there's a place to be sensitive to the community, to be culturally relevant, but you're coming in with the truth that was once for all entrusted to the saints that the people need, and the reason they need it is they don't have it, and the reason they don't have it is they don't even know they want it. You're going to have to, by the power of the Spirit, with the truth of the Word of God, penetrate that society look what paul did going across asia going into greece all the way to rome possibly to spain of just 
infusing it into people's hearts, which then began to spread into the communities. So, again, that would be an example of worldly. These are, they cause the visions. They're worldly people thinking like the world and devoid of the Spirit. That's where we left off last time. Devoid of the Spirit, and the word the is added in English translations because it would indicate they're devoid of the Holy Spirit, which is true. They, they are not born again, so they do not have abiding within them the Holy Spirit. They, they don't have the life of God. They don't have the guidance. They don't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is true, and like I said two weeks ago, or we said it before that also, that's already been pointed out in the book of Jude. He may be saying it again. Or these people may have fallen to the level where they are dead, and we already know that, twice dead, which means they are uprooted. I mean, they're not just dead spiritually, and maybe we can reach them with the gospel. No, they have been uprooted. They're a dead tree laying down, giving the impression, again, this is the impression, you can't preach this dead tree because it's, it's not just spiritually dead. It's been uprooted. It's been judged. It's, it's, it's next, next stop is judgment. It's going to the fire. Can you help them? No, they don't even have a soul in that sense. They, we would say, like last time we are talking, their hearts have been hardened. They've shut off the light. Uh, they've gone beyond the place that they're going to come back. Now, who, who knows that? Who can look at a crowd and say, and pick out the people who've gone that far? I don't even know. I think that's possible. It looks like Pharaoh went there. Uh, Paul talks about people that have gone that far. And that way, they, they do not have the Spirit. It may not be Holy Spirit. I mean, they're beyond human. These people are, are dead. They're uprooted. There's no hope for them. And yet, they're teaching you from the position of the world, leading Christians into this darkness, that it, it's totally confusing. And so, that is where uh, we left off in Jude 19. Turn the page now in verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, that's two of the imperatives, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, two, praying in the Holy Spirit, and uh, the last one is, where is it at, which page, oh, it's at the bottom of page three, no, where is it at, chapter, Jude, I got so many notes here. Oh, it's way on the last page. Okay. Keep yourselves in God's love. That's the fourth one. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So these are the things. You're going to have to build yourself up in the faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. That's, good. that's interesting. That, that's very insightful what that's going to refer to. And also with the hope of the mercy that's going to be revealed, which basically it, it's no matter how much you build yourself up, and we're supposed to be maturing and producing the fruit of the Spirit, we know we're saved by grace, we know we've been justified by Christ, uh, but as we grow, there is the day of, of, of rewards, but even as you go through your life, as you're praying and you're, you're living your daily life, keeping yourself in God's love, even in the end, you know what you're hoping on, you're counting on, is in the end, no matter how your life goes, you've been saved, you've been growing, you've been trying to be a Christian, in the end, it's still going to come down to you need mercy. I mean, no matter how mature you get, no matter how great of a Christian you become, no matter how Christ-like you become in this life, at the final judgment, uh, you're still going to need another dose of mercy. I mean, it's like, well, I, got, I was saved when I was 16, and I've been studying the Bible ever since. Now I'm ready for judgment. No, you need more mercy. So, you know, no matter how your life is going, your hope is not on, I hope I built enough. I hope I prayed enough. I hope I kept myself in the... It's like, yes, you do. But in the end, you're counting on the mercy, not on how you built, how you prayed. If you kept yourself in the right place, you're still going to need in the end. So just, there, there's, that's that little breather. Just relax. In the instruction for the Christian, here's your goal, here's what you're doing. But in the end, you're not going to have crossed this line of now. You also have become godlike. It's like you're still human in need of a mercy. Okay, we're rushing ahead right there. Go back to page three of the notes. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Me being an individual, me being of the Western world, me having my own Bible study in my home, uh, I want to read that you, Galen, you are beloved, you build yourself up individually in your most holy faith. Okay, that's what I am going to do. 
the issue with that is those the you, the beloved, and the yourself are all plural. Jude is not writing to Galen. Uh, Galen is going to learn from this. Jude is writing to the church, the congregation, the people that they as a group are fighting these, they're contending. It's not an individual contending for the faith. It's this body of believers he's addressing. They themselves are going to build themselves up. It's, those are all plural references, which is, of course, makes sense and it's very interesting. And that's at that point too. Is so the context is not necessarily the direction of how you, the individual, build yourself up, although you will follow this individually, but how the body, the community, or the church of believers builds themselves up to defend against the heresies or the heretics that are teaching these things. And uh, point three just says the following compressed instructions in verse 20 and 21, then next week, 22 and 23. Today, it's talking about how to persevere, the, preserve the faith of the beloved, and next time is going to be on how to guide the beloved in empowering others to join them. Uh, <coughs> Point five is exactly how he started today with, uh, in chapter one, verse five, I found it necessary, Jude writes, to, uh, necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And now he says, you beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. And that is where we're at right now, is build yourselves up in your most holy faith. And once again, this is not uh, something that, you're, you have faith. It's not something that you're doing. This is you're going to use this body of information, uh, this truth, these doctrines, this scripture, this teachings of Jesus, the words. Jesus says, he who hears my words and does them is like a man who, look, built his house on the rock. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. The same thing. He who hears Jesus' words is going to build his life on the rock. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. With this body of information, the faith, it's, it's, it's the truth that was once for all entrusted. You're going to, the idea here is you've already got the foundation. It's, it's, it's just like Jesus' parable. This is a rock. Okay, forgive me for the art. I can, now I'm combining art and spelling at the same time. This is the rock. You've been saved. You've been justified. You've received the message of salvation. Where do you go from here? Well, this group has been influenced by heretics that is now leading them astray, and they're no longer building on this. In fact, they, some of them have been taken over to an entirely different foundation. Possibly they've left uh, salvation by uh, uh, a faith and the trust in Jesus, and they've gone over to some kind of works. Or they've gone the other way. They've gone into, well, You've been saved, so it doesn't matter what you do. You can do whatever you want to. They've gone over into sensualism. Well, now, this ideal of build, you've got this. You're gonna, the word, we're going to look at the word. It actually means now, with that faith that you've received, we would simply say, for our sake, what you've received. This, this, the Old Testament scriptures, the teachings of Jesus, the New Testament apostles that, that Jude has just referred to, you're going to take that. Within there, you've, you've been introduced to Jesus, the truth, the rock, the word that became flesh. You're going to now continue in that and continue to build yourself up. And I'll show you the, on the notes, you're building this structure, which is your life. It, it's, it's, it's the things you do. It's, it's the decisions you make. It's your, your values. It's your, your application, the spiritual fruit. It's the Spirit of God is throughout this whole thing. And keep that in mind. This is not something that's abstract. This is Jesus. This is the Word. All of this is infused with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you're growing in, in Christ, in God. You're growing in this place. Now, the ideal of this, this word for build, it is the Word in the, in the form that it, it's being used. It's, you're not starting a building. It's the ideal of building a house. You, you lay a foundation, and once the foundation is laid, what do you do? You, you continue to build. They've laid the foundation, and they're, when are they done? You're not done. You, you're continuing to build. You've got the foundation, but they're in the process of building themselves up. And that's what this, this is saying right here. Uh, but you, beloved, building yourselves up or continue building. It doesn't say lay a foundation. 
It doesn't say start your Christian faith. It doesn't say start your building. It's like, well, we've, we, are, we are in our house, right, but you're still building your house, and you've all lived in some kind of construction zone at some time. I, I'm, some of you remember when we had Bible study up here many years ago when it was like two years, and the kitchen was tore up. We had plywood counters, and can't believe people still came to our house for Bible study. But it's like we were building, building the house. It's like, well, where's your house? Well, it's right here, but we're still building this. And this is the idea here. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. What are you using to build yourself up? And this faith is not an energy. It's not like, well, I'm really struggling with my faith. I'm using faith. No, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. This is very crucial. Most holy faith. And now if we can somehow take a moment and talk about this. Faith is the ideal of a confidence, belief in something. And, and not like, you know, Tinkerbell. It, it's, it's belief in a, a system. It's belief in doctrine. It's belief in a philosophy. What is your world view? I think this is the way things function. And if you think this is the way things function, you're going to have faith in that. And that's how you're going to, how do you interact with people? How do you interact in business? Well, I believe this is the best way to approach people, to, to interact with people. That will be your information. And you're going to have faith in that. And you're going to begin to act on that information. This, so that would be, and you could have faith in coaching. I've got information on how to coach. You know, what's the, in this situation, what's the best defense to run? How do you stop this? Or how do you create a scoring? I've got this information. Now I'm going to, you can tell what a coach believes, not about God, but it's like time out and he makes an adjustment. Where'd that come from? He's got a belief system. He's got a philosophy. He understands it could be, it could be any sport. It could be music. It could be raising children. I mean, it could be parenting, anything. You believe you have this information about a subject. And you're now going to act on it. You're going to have, your faith is going to cause you to behave in certain ways. A philosophy. Uh, we can look at our culture, and we believe as a culture, we, we're a materialistic culture. We're not concerned about the afterlife. We're not concerned about the future. We're concerned about right now. We're concerned about what I feel, my emotions. It's like, what is your belief? I think the most important thing is how I feel. And so now, every decision you're going to make is, how it makes me feel, or what I want. Well, this is not the best thing for everybody else. It doesn't matter about everybody. What matters is me. Well, now this is your philosophy. This is your belief system, and I'm going to act on this idea, this body of information called the faith. It could be very, you know, worldly. This is called most holy faith. And again, you've all, we've all, we got faith. I've got faith in in child, not faith, I've got a body of information on how to raise children. Believe me. When the grandchildren leave, me and Tony get together and we discuss how this should be fixed. Okay, we have a philosophy. Uh, there's, a, there's all kinds of, you know, you have, that would be, uh, now that's not the most holy, that is our parenting body of information on what we believe. And it could be, like I said, it could be sports. It could be how to, you know, how, how do you mow your grass? I mean, I've got a system on how I, whatever it is. That's all these little areas of life. You've got something you believe in. That's how you act. In this particular area, he's talking about the most holy. And if you look at that word, I think we're going to be on page four. I can say stuff like that because I know the grandchildren or the, the, the kids aren't listening. Maybe Hawkeye's watching. I'm sorry, Hawk got great kids <laughs> great yeah. now the other ones then i forget this is good this also becomes a podcast i know that someone listen to it as a podcast i'll listen to it live maybe but okay we'll take care of that this afternoon <laughs> make some phone calls no they know it's true they know it's true um uh, uh page uh, point six on page four uh, building yourself up. Let's look at that there. It says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. The word building up, that I just spoke about that. You can see the Greek word there. means to build up on. It means, you're already, you're, it means build up on. There's something already there, the foundation. It refers to finishing the structure whose foundation has already been laid. Like a house, build up, it refers to constant progress. I said these things. Um, and then faith is confidence or belief in something. That's point two. 
And then right here, point three, most holy faith would refer to confidence or belief in the most holy. Hagios means sacred, holy. It is used for something that is set apart for God. So you've got these areas of your life, you're living your life here, you're talking about finances, you're talking about children, you're talking about your yard, you're talking about sports. These are all things that are, but now there's this area of information, most holy, set apart for God. And that is the most holy faith, this is the, what do you believe that's been set apart for God? What's been set apart for God, I present to you, the Bible, the Word of God. In Jude's day, it was the Old Testament. It was the words of Jesus. It was what the apostles that God was using to bring about the New Testament revelation. That was what it was at that point. That is the most holy body of information, the faith. And so that's why it's called the most holy faith. You're going to build yourselves up on your most holy faith. That, it, it, for me, you read that, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Well, faith, to me, right there, says, okay, you got to get out and do something. You know, have faith, have faith. It's like you're building yourself up on your emotion, your faith. I've got, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe, you know, the whole Tinkerbell type thing. It's like, well, no, no, relax. The faith is what was entrusted, it's been given to you. Here it is. Here's the information. Now, with that information, you need to believe it which means you're going to have to know it. You're going to have to understand it. You're going to have to hear it, read it, process it. And now you've got the faith, and it is the most holy because this is the information that God gave himself. He revealed. This is not something... With, scientists didn't go off and discover this. Uh, this is not something that's been handed down of legends that has been handed down. <laughs> this was God revealed it to his prophets. He revealed it to the apostles. His son came and revealed it to us. This is the most holy, set apart by God, information. So how, after all we talk about these heretics for the last months, what are we supposed to do? Number one, you need to build yourself up in this information. You're going to have to know this, understand this, read it. And that is how you're going to build yourselves up on your most holy faith. And your faith is what you, the information and what you understand about it, and it's most holy because it's been set apart by God. Um, it's the point two. It's the most holy information. The most holy information is the Word of God. The Word of God is the revelation. Uh, it's, it's point C. It's not merely someone's personal opinion. It's not a philosophy. It's not another person's promise. This is the unchangeable Word of God, the Word that spoke creation into existence. All of reality is based on this Word, build yourselves up in it i mean okay it's like we came to bible study to hear that's why we came to bible study was done because we believe this so it's kind of like almost redundant but it's it's interesting at the all of jude this is where he's been he's been talking about the problem and now how do we fix it you're going to have to understand the word of god the, the the faith that has been handed down to us since he began the book we need to content we're losing it in, in 60 65 ad they were losing the, the doctrine already. The church was already under attack and losing this. Imagine what would have happened. Of course, God is not going to let that happen, but the people, uh, uh, yourself, the church, the culture, you're going to have to fight to, to keep it. Um, point four, down to the bottom of page four, build yourselves up by understanding the revelation given to you through God, through the Old Testament. I said all these things. <clears throat> and here are some verses, uh, bottom of page four. In Acts 2, 42, already, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves, the early Christians in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching was the doctrine of information. What they were teaching about Jesus, what Jesus had taught them to teach, their application of his life, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and, and, and the prayers. There's your, there's your potlucks right there. And Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Let's see how we rush through that part. Otherwise, everybody's going to want to stay for lunch. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now, he says, as Paul's leaving uh, Ephesus, he says, and now I commend to you, excuse me, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Again, there you have the word, build you up. Interesting there, Paul's leaving, but he's not afraid to leave because he's leaving them with God and with the word of his grace. The word of his grace is just another phrase of, you know, the faith, the doctrine, the word of God. 
He's leaving them with that information and with God the Holy Spirit, with the body of truth, you'll be fine and he's going to move on as long as they stay with it. Now he also warns them, false teachers are going to arise and try and get you away from the Holy Spirit, away from this body of truth. I'm on page 5, 2 Timothy. We're heading there here on two uh, Monday nights eventually. Do your best to present yourself, Paul tells Timothy, to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of faith. And the word of faith, again, the word of the body of truth. Again, and notice the word of faith is that it's, it's the faith that Jude was contending for. <clears throat> so that is the idea right there. That's the first one. Uh, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. It basically means, you can say it this way, in Sunday school, read your Bibles. So again, the idea is you get all this information swirling around you. Uh, now, if it's about basketball, if it's about raising children, you know, that's, that's one thing. But when people start telling you about God with information that's not from God, that's going to be false religion. That's going to be, it, Paul's eventually going to call it doctrines of demons. Satan is number one, you know, he came against the word of God in the garden. He came against the word of God when it became flesh. He's always trying to come against the word of God. So he's definitely out there pumping out ideas that are contrary, but very similar to the word of God. That's what makes it uh, uh, dangerous in the sense because it's, so, it's, it's parallel sometimes. So sometimes it's obvious, but sometimes it's right there so close and again, that we'll be doing that on, on Monday night. So again, it's how, how the early church had to navigate through concepts about the deity of Christ, uh, about the Trinity, about the Word of God. It, it, it's like they're navigating. You see making decisions all the way through. And we have to do the same thing. Fortunately, there's been 2,000 years of history, uh, some good and some bad, that provides help for us. The next part, after building yourselves up in your holy faith, which basically means understanding the Word of God, is praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, the focus is on how the beloved can overcome the false teachers. Again, the, don't take your eye off this. There is heretics that have misled many people in the church. What do we do? Number one, uh, I'll just say Bible. You're going to have to know the Bible. Build yourself up on your understanding. Number two, it's going to be prayer. And it's prayer in the Holy Spirit, which... You know, now it's wide open. The first place most people go, oh, it must be tongues. Yeah, that's, you know, again, in the charismatic group, that's where they always went right there, is you need to be praying in tongues. Know the Bible and start praying in tongues. Okay? Uh, uh, that, there's more to it than that. I'm, I'm, okay, no, that's, I want to leave that. I was like, what? <laughs> so everybody, bow your heads. No eye looking around. Uh, again, uh, the, uh, point two, by praying in the Holy Spirit, the believer is praying from a position in the faith, on the rock, and in the truth. Again, like I built this little image here, you've got the rock, which is Jesus, and you're using the word, re revelation of God, to build this structure. All of this is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what brings Christ to us, reveals it to us, helping us build, producing the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive in all of this. And what I'm going to show you, I'm going to read some verses to you, uh, we're going to see in the Bible that, that the Holy Spirit is, you're supposed to walk in the Spirit. You're going to be led by the Spirit. You're going to be producing the fruit of the Spirit. All these things are walking Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. All this is being done by the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to say, pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is all based on the same idea here. If you are in the truth, hearing the Word of God, your mind is being renewed. How's that? I'm so smart. I, I read the Bible. I understand the Bible, and I apply it to my life out of my own human ability. There's human effort and ability involved in reading, understanding, and having the discipline to apply it. But you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why you can. You're being. You're walking the Holy Spirit. How do you make decisions? Well, I'm going to listen to the Word of God. I'm going to evaluate the situation, and I'm going to do what I think is the correct, but you're, you're, that's all taking place, and it's not like the Holy Spirit knocks on your door, uh, now the Holy Spirit would like to have to say something here, the Holy Spirit is like, it, it's part of how you live, you, you breathe, he's living within you, you're convicted of sin because of the whole, I know the word of God, what the word of God says, I understand it, but also there's that part that brings it alive, it's like, that was wrong, 
and now I confess my sin, and it's the Holy Spirit that's leading me. It's like sometimes you get to the, in, in our age of different Christian experiences, you want the Holy, Holy Spirit's just not speaking to me. It's like, okay, that's where I, we'll read some verses. You know, in Romans 8, Paul says, uh, now if you don't have the Holy Spirit, uh, you don't belong to Christ. In other words, you can't be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. That's, how did you get born again? Well, I believed in Christ. How did you know you were supposed to do that? Well, the Bible said that. Now, the Bible is available to multiple people around the world, and many of them are like, ah, this is stupid, and they walk away from it. But for some reason, you like, oh, I, I, I ought to confess my sins. I ought to accept Christ. I ought to repent and start uh, obeying Christ. It's like, why? Well, I, I just... I've always been a very religious person. It's like, no, stupid. That's the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's like the Holy Spirit. This person just walked away from it. You're like, oh, I better take this serious. It's like, well, I'm a very self-conscious person. You've got the Holy Spirit that's leading you, speaking to you. And it's not like some like, well, it was just a normal day. I was just out doing good deeds. Then all of a sudden I did this really special good deed because the Spirit of God came upon me. The fruit of the Spirit uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Have you ever done that, experienced that? As a Christian, that, that's the Holy Spirit living in you. Well, it didn't feel like the Holy Spirit. Okay, there you go. Welcome to Western Christianity. It didn't feel like the Holy Spirit. Can we get off the how it felt? We're talking about truth and production. It's like, and the concept is you can't do it yourself if you're following God, if you're doing what he's called you, if we're producing these fruits, if you're praying in the truth, the Holy Spirit is, fun. It's, it's, it's so, in a sense, unemotional, it's so natural that we don't think it's the Holy Spirit. We've got this, there's a, there's a, a spectrum where we're expecting some kind of goosebumps, some kind of shaking, some kind of smoke machine. It's like, oh, the Holy Ghost is here. He's always here. It's like you, you, you live and breathe with the Holy Spirit. So with that concept, when it says pray in the Holy Spirit, I don't want to dumb it down, but is it possible that you can pray not in the Holy Spirit? Well, I suppose you could pray carnally. Uh, you could pray like uh, religiously, you could pray like just, you know, reciting words, and it's just, you know, dead prayer. But if, is it possible that if the Christian is indeed praying, they're praying in the Holy Spirit? It, it, it's, it's like, well, I was, I was just praying, but then I started praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, in the charismatic movement, then, mean, that would mean you're praying in your, in your language, like English, and then you started praying in tongues. Okay, that's not what this is saying. Praying in the Holy Spirit would mean just like you're building yourselves up on your most holy faith, you're going to have to be in the truth, praying in the truth under the conviction of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit. Uh, again, I think there's times the Spirit of God will bring things to your mind. And then again, is it something that it's like, oh, I was just, I was thinking thoughts, and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God started thinking thoughts. I mean, where's, where's that line begin? Uh, let's read some things here. Let's read some scripture before I completely turn this into heresy myself. Because it is a tendency when you start talking about spiritual things like this that are uh, unseen, mystical, that pretty soon you're saying things that's like you're talking about things you don't, well, Jews said, that they don't understand. <laughs> it's like, so let's go to the Word of God instead of just having Galen rattle things off up here. Um, point two, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Point two, it would mean in this fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit, you're praying. So you are born again. You are building yourselves up in the Word of God, in, in the faith. And now in that position, you're going to begin to pray. And this is in contrast with those who are the heretics who, who do not have the Holy Spirit. They're not convicted of their sin because the Holy Spirit can't convict them of the sin because they're, they're not responding to the Holy Spirit. You, on the other hand, are in the Holy Spirit because He's in you. Romans 8, 9 through 11 and 13 through 15 says this, you, however, again, this is not in the same context, 
but it is talking about the spirit and the believer, so we gain some things from this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, right there, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in the flesh. Okay, you're not abiding in the flesh. You are in, in your position is you are now in Christ. So in the flesh, with the people that are just in the world, we're still in the body. We still have a sin nature, but we've been placed in Christ. That's where we're heading next. Keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself here. Don't go back over here. But he says, you are ever are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Then he says, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Then he says, and I, I, you know, I skipped part of the lines there, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the spirit who dwells in you. Now, giving life to your mortal body, you would be talking about some eschatological event, like you know, the glorification when your body is resurrected, or you'd be talking about right now today, you are, this is basic. A person that is, doesn't know Christ, has not accepted Jesus Christ, is not in fellowship with God, is still separated, living in darkness. But if you've accepted Christ, you've stepped into Christ, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, your whole life is infused with the power, the life of the Holy Spirit. Oh, someday? No, right now. That's why certain things happen, like you're convicted of sin. Certain things happen. You, you have a hunger for the Word of God. I mean, who wants to read... 2,000-year-old literature, 3,000-year-old literature on a Sunday morning. It's like, well, because it's empowered by the Word of God. There's a connection. It's, it's supernatural. The very fact we're talking about this and are interested, it's like, this is not normal. Something's happening here. What? It's just, it's just a Bible study. Right. We don't have homework studies or studies on the Iliad unless you go to college, become some kind of you know, literature. This is like for the common person I mean, it's not like you're all going to go out and teach this in a university somewhere. This is daily life. This is, I want to be a better Christian this afternoon than I am now by hearing the Word of God. It's like, how, how do you, why do you think it's happening? It's the Word of God in a born-again spirit with the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural stuff. And so praying in the Holy Spirit is going to come right in the same category. It's going to be so natural. Well, let's go on. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, right there, by the Spirit. The, that's, that's the ideal of the conviction of sin. There are things the body, the flesh, the world you want to do, but it's like, this is not right, and you put it to death. He's like, I, I'm, I'm, look, I conquered that sin. Okay, right, the Holy Spirit helped you conquer that, and now you're moving on. You're growing. You're in the Word. The Holy Spirit is helping you. You will live. For, if, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Led. How, who's led by the Spirit? Everybody wants, I know I'm saying these things in a critical sense because I've been through all of that. I, I, there were times where I would try to find God's direction in life. Uh, again, be careful with this. And I wanted some clear direction. Now the thing is, you might be 20, 25, 30 years old, and it's like, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've decided I'm going to get serious with God. Where does God want? Now, I've been a Christian this whole time, but now I'm going I'm to follow God's will for my life. Okay, be careful, because you're assuming that everything you've done from this point up here has been unled by the Spirit of God. It's like, you got born again, you, you, you were involved in a church community, uh, you've been reading the Word of God, you're making good choices, you're following the, to the best of your knowledge, and now all of a you say, no, I'm going to get serious. Be careful, because you could train wreck your entire life because you're assuming that you're on the wrong track. You've been led by the Spirit. Now, again, this is, you're going to have to apply. You may have been on the wrong track your whole life. You may be, say, this is completely wrong. I need to change everything. I don't know that. But it's possible you've been being led by the Spirit of God, and it's now it's time to take another step. But don't derail your entire life to take the next step. Just continue to follow and be led by the Spirit of God. It says right here, because... Uh, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are, the, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The very fact you can say confidently, I am a child of God, and not be in some like fear of like, I don't know if I'm born again, I don't know if I'm going to go. It's like, 
The fact that you can say, I'm born again. I am going to someday see Jesus in the resurrected state and be welcomed into his kingdom. How do you know that? Because the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's what's going to happen. I have confidence. It's like, well, see, I'm different than a lot of people. I'm a Bible teacher. I've done a lot of Bible study. And I'm pretty confident in my salvation because, you know, <laughs> I know a lot about the Bible. That's not what Paul says. The reason you're confident about your salvation is the Spirit is testifying to you. You have fellowship with God. You are fine. Now, this is going to be part of that next step right here is three of keeping yourself in God's love. You can get, you can stop, take your eye off the Word of God, take your eye off of this information, and start dabbling in heresy or just other teaching. And pretty soon you're like, I don't know. Now I'm confused. Now I'm getting scared. Am I saved? It's like, well, no, no. The Spirit confirms with your spirit. We're good to go here. We're on the same team. It's like, unless you step over here and start listening to false teaching, it's like, and maybe it's, it's some kind of asceticism. Maybe it's like, you're not doing enough of this. You're not denying yourself enough of this. It's like, or you need to obey these certain laws or whatever. And then you realize, ah, I, well, what you need to do is get back into building yourself up in the most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, and get your confidence back. Galatians 5, it says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Now, it doesn't say you won't have the, the desires of the flesh, nor can you say you never follow those or make a mistake, because you've got in 1 John, anyone who says, I have not sinned, or says, I do not sin, is a liar. Even John, that's where I get down to this fourth point, is keep yourself in the hope of the the mercy that's going to be revealed. Because through this whole thing, when it all comes down to the end, what are you counting on? God's mercy. It's like, I'm serious about Bible study. I'm serious about prayer. I'm serious about keeping myself in God's love. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm focused on this. I, I make mistakes. I recover. I keep going. Now, what's going to happen at the end? God say, you know what? Congratulations. You did it. You, you, you achieved heaven. It's like, don't, you know, no one's going to achieve heaven. Even in the end, it's like, you're going to get mercy to, in a sense, finish the race. All right, um, uh, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. So you feel that, and you feel that war where you've got the Spirit is opposed to the flesh, the flesh is opposed to the Spirit, and so you've got this constant tension, the war going on. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This is the fruit that's growing out of your relationship. It's not a law. It's not a rule. This is you building, conforming yourself into the image of Christ and producing the nature of God. It's not a law. It's growth. It's truth-producing. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And that's his idea here. If you are with the Spirit, and now it comes time to pray, the very fact that you're living by the Spirit, you're being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is revealing things to you, if it's the Word of God or if you're a son of God, and now it's time to pray, you're praying in the Spirit. I mean, if you, if you do not know the Word of God, if you are not in fellowship with God, you're living a carnal life, and you're going to recite some kind of religious prayer or just, you know, some kind of liturgy or something, yeah, you may not be praying in the Holy Spirit. You're just doing a, a, a carnal function in life. You might as well be worshiping an idol or something. But if you are here in this list, you're in fellowship, and you're going to now pray to God the Father, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit that you're praying with. Now, uh... Point C, here in Jude, the man who, who in Romans and Galatians uh, has, I just hear me just write this down. The man in, mentioned in Romans and Galatians has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, is walking in the Spirit as they conduct their life, is led by the Spirit in moral and ethical choices, is producing the fruit of the Spirit in their character, is living by the Spirit, is putting to death the misdeeds of the body by the Spirit, is keeping in step with the Spirit, then that person is likely able to be praying in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's like, what does that look like? Just, it's the next step. And you say, well, are they praying in tongues? Now, again, that's another whole question right there. 
It's like, if you're charismatic, that that could be part of it. If you think it's not, then it's like, don't worry about it. It it doesn't have to be, tongues is not even an issue there, I I think. That's point four. Now, the next point, C. This is the thing that I think is, (coughs) for myself, is the most enlightening uh, of all this. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, what does that mean, keep yourself in the love of God? Uh, The idea here being... Uh, it's, 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 the concept is there's a, a sphere. There's a, a place. Okay, sphere. Is that how you spell sphere? Realm. Is that how you spell realm? Okay. And this is the target of God's love. God's love is going here. Now, the heretics, and once again, here's the issue. The heretics are taking you over here. And they're going to teach, for example, everybody's been forgiven. God is tolerant. There's no such thing as sin. You're over here. Okay, you are out of God's love. Or if you've got some other, you know, a setting. I, 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 I got to do these things. I got to limit my food. I've got to limit my sleep. I've got to do some ascetic thing. And then I can be the love of God. Now, you're over here either working for God's love or you're over here violating the very presence of God. You've left the target of God's love. So, Keep yourselves in God's love. Now here's what I've got written down for this. Keep is a tereo, meaning to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard. So whatever this means, you're supposed to be paying attention. Are you here? Now, wherever this target's at, I mean, you, you apparently can leave. It appears that the heretics have definitely left the target of God's love. It appears, especially in the next verse we'll look at next week, that some people have left this and have started going over here, and they're no longer in this zone. They're over here. And these writers, after you hear the word of God and you understand it, and you're praying, living with the Holy Spirit, now keep yourself, whatever you do, guard it carefully, pay careful attention to it, take care of the fact that you are still, are you here? Check yourself, are you still here? I'm not sure where that's at. It's like, where, where is it? Now, it appears, it's like, well, that's just the idea that God, you're in Christ, God loves you. Okay, I think, I believe in eternal security, uh, eternal salvation. I believe that if you are in Christ, you're, you're, you're secure. The Holy Spirit testifies you are a child of God. But there is a place where you can break fellowship, I've even experienced it myself, where you sin, and it's like you're no longer, you're still positionally in Christ, but you are living, walking, talking, acting in darkness, and you need to confess your sin and get back over here. Now, you didn't lose your salvation. You just left the target zone, and you need to get back in, we would say, fellowship. Again, positionally, you're not going to sin. That would be a, a, a crazy case of Armenianism where you go in and out. You know, you're saved, and then you lose, and you get saved again, and that's why you have continuous altar calls, and I, I went through that in the, in the 70s. I got saved like five or six different times. The most exciting thing in my life is getting saved. So I went to another concert and got saved a couple times. She was there and, uh, on the stage. And it's like, you know, it's like, so I, I, I went here and got, if there, anytime there's going to be a revival meeting, I'm there listening, ready for the altar call so I can go up there and have the greatest experience of my Christian life up to that point. Uh, and then, of course, I, I grew and realized, okay, you, you're, you're saved. <laughs> you need to now grow. It, you know, it took a while because you just weren't being taught. You just, you're in church. You just... Nonetheless, yeah, you weren't being taught. You were just in church. <laughs> that's, an, that's an interesting statement right there. <laughs> okay, but we'll move on. Uh, so pay attention to this, but what is it? Remain in the sphere of God's love. God's love for us is in Christ, okay? In Christ, atoning death, in fellowship with the light as he is in light. So this right here, the target, if you can understand this, and again, we, this is, I don't want to say deep theology, but God's love, here's God, God's love is to his son. Now, I'll read you the verses. This is the target zone, is his son. Jesus loves you, and you are in Christ. So you are here, you are in Christ, being conformed into his image. Hearing his word, the revelation of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are here in the target zone. God loves his son, the son loves you. You're in the sphere of being what we say, in Christ. But apparently, you can leave. You can't leave this positionally, because once you're a child of God, you are a child of God. 
but you can leave this in the temporal sense where you now begin to hear false doctrine, you get confused, you get into darkness. Uh, I would say these, these heretics who are twice dead, uprooted, they've never been in the zone. They've never responded to the zone. But they are affecting people that are in the zone and drawing them out into darkness. And now out here, they're confused. These people are the uprooted trees. They've never been here. But they're teaching, and they're amongst the church in Jude's day. They're in here teaching these people, and some of them are drifting. It's like, oh, and they're compromising the faith. They're giving up the faith that they're supposed to be contending for because they give up the faith. They're going to get sucked over here into false doctrines, and they are still children of God, but they're living in darkness at some level. It could be totally immoral sin, or it could be extreme asceticism. You know, like they're very, very holy men that they, you know, don't eat this, don't drink this, don't marry that. It's like they're all over here just like living like these ascetic lives. Or they could be completely in it. Either way, they're all, it's, it's wrong. Does that make sense? This is not just all immorality. It can be, you know, extreme religious experiences that are there too much. Okay. Oh, TikTok. Um, point three, God's love for us is in Christ. Christ is atoning death. Uh, and that's uh, point one, God's love is in Christ. Christ's love is to us. We remain in that love. We love Christ. We love God. Obey, grow. Um, give me some verses here. Uh, point at the bottom there. John 15, 9 through 10. This will ice it for us, I hope. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Then he says, watch, abide in my love. Stay in the sphere. This is my love, which is God's love for me. Abide here. Abide in my love. Now, be careful. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In other words, commandments. Now, right away you go, Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses. Jesus has been doing teaching. He's been explaining things, who he is. Remain here. And, he said, and his number one, what is the work that we must do? And he, I could go to John and go through this. I should. Uh, the work that God requires is to believe in the one he sent. That, that's Jesus' answer. What, what was the work? They asked him, what, what is the work we must do? Jesus believe in the one he sent. If you want to call it a work, he says it. What is the work that we must do? Believe in the Son. So if you believe in the Son and continue to grow, and again, keep yourself in the faith, build yourself up in faith, you keep growing in this, this, this sphere, this power dynosphere right here, you're remaining in Christ, growing in Christ. You've got, just like we said before, here you've got that, the foundation, you're building, you're building, you're praying in the Spirit, you're growing in Christ, you're remaining in here. But the minute you disobey a command, you come out here, you change a doctrine, you change the truth, you, you, you met, you, you're leaving this and you're not obeying the command. The command is to stay in here and continue to grow. Um, John, 1 John 6, 8. Whatever, where's that at? I think I forgot a verse or a chapter. Top of page 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We do not practice the truth. We do not obey his commands. If we walk in darkness, this would be example walking in darkness, and we say, oh, I'm in Christ. Now, you may be born again, but you're walking in darkness. You're not abiding in Christ. You're not keeping yourself in Christ's love. So if you say, uh, if, if, you, uh, if we say we have fellowship with him, we say we're here, but yet we're living here, we lie and do not practice the truth. We do not practice his commands. But if we walk in the light, obey his commands, do what he says, grow in the truth, as he is in the light, now, and what commands are Jesus obeying? I mean, I mean what are the commands Jesus, Jesus just abiding in God's love, reflecting God. He's, he's being God. It's like, he, well, he's following. He, he says, if you, if you produce the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law. You're just doing, you're just growing. 
But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, that's with each other, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Even if you're in here, it says you stay in here, you're in the fellowship, you're in the light, and the blood of Christ continues to cleanse you from all sin. What sin? Because I'm in the light. Well, you're always going to have sin. And you say, well, I don't, I'm always in the light. Okay, then you're lying because you're, everyone is going to have trouble with sin because you're still in the flesh. And that's where John ends up right there. The last thing right here, we'll quit right here. Right here. The fourth one is besides, <coughs> let's see if I can remember them, uh, building, uh, uh, build yourself in most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. And the last one, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. In all of this, in all of this, your hope is in the fact that Jesus is coming back. Eschatologically, Jesus is coming back, and your hope is there. And when he comes back, what about the judgment? Oh, we talk a lot about judgment because he's, judgment is coming right here. Oh, my gosh. These, it's all, they're twice uprooted. They're darkness, dark, uh, shooting stars shooting into darkness forever in gloomy dungeons. It, it's terrible. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. It's, it's Balaam. It's all over again. That, these guys are doomed. But you... Keep yourselves in God's love. Wait for the mercy to be revealed when Jesus Christ is, uh, the hope to be revealed when Jesus Christ, let me read it. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, um, which means even in the end, when we get there, we're going to cross over in eternity because of the mercy that we have, uh, that he's offering to us. All right, there we have the end of those verses right there. I'll pray because we're way past time. I appreciate you being here. It's good to see you again. Uh, it was uh, a lonely Sunday last week, especially Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, not having Bible study, but it's really nice to have you here, and I appreciate you coming back. I'll pray, and you're free to go or ask any questions, make any corrections. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to have the Spirit indwelling us. We ask that we would appreciate the truth that has been anchored in our soul, the salvation we've been given, and the leading of the Holy Spirit that we have. And we ask that we would honor you by staying in that place of love, that we would do the things you've called us to and continue to grow and become the people you need us to be at this time in history. Again, we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much for being here.